Hey, PT listeners, we've been working on something special at Tier 11, something that I can say without exaggeration or without hesitation will produce better ad optimization and increased conversions and have a profound impact on the amount of data you can send back to all your ad platforms. That includes Meta, that includes TikTok, that includes Google, and we call it X-Ray Tag. And it's only available to Tier 11 customers. A lot of businesses think that it's Black Friday, it's the holiday season, and once they actually get through that, then they'll worry about next year. Well, now is the time for you to start gathering all the data that you can to set yourself and your business up for success in 2024. X-Ray Tag replaces all the potpourri of pixels, cappies, cookies with one single implementation that sends higher quality first-party data back to all your ad platforms. In fact, in our early testing, we've seen a 40 to 100% increase in event matching quality, aka EMQs in Meta, which translates into better ad optimization and increased conversions. So if you feel like your ads are flying blind, head on over to tier11.com forward slash x-ray to get early access. Clients to sign up before the end of the year, move to the front of the line, and we are only offering this for the PT listener like yourself. So head on over to tier11.com forward slash x-ray. Don't miss out. This is Darren, the producer of Perpetual Traffic, and we've got a great show lined up for you in just a minute with Molly and Natasha Takahashi. But first, I just want to let you know we've got some other great shows on our network. On the Digital Marketer podcast, we've got Garrett Holmes, our head of content, and he's sharing his super smart strategy for how to consistently create content. It's a must listen for anyone who's trying to figure out how to find time to create content for blogs and social posts. And on the Business Lunch podcast with Roland Frazier, Roland sits down with Mike Kennigs and he shares what he learned from starting, scaling and exiting four companies. There are some major takeaways in this episode that reveal the mindset that ensures you will actually make your business profitable in the short term and in the long run. So check that out on the Digital Marketer podcast and Business Lunch with Roland Frazier. All right. Back to you, Molly. Before we hop into this episode, I also wanted to let you know that I'll be having Natasha inside of Team Traffic, which is teamtraffic.com. It's a monthly membership that Ezra Firestone and I have for media buyers. And we're going to have Natasha in the group in May to do an entire training on bots and specifically how she is utilizing bots in relation to Facebook ads, what that big picture workflow looks like. So if you want to be a part of that training with Natasha, if you want me to critique your campaigns, if you want other awesome trainings, we're on pace to have four to six trainings a month going on in Team Traffic right now, a really hopping Facebook group with lots of smart people, head over to teamtraffic.com. We would love to have you on the team. You're listening to Perpetual Traffic. I looked down and there is chocolate on my microphone. <laughs> I guess there are like some chocolate crumbs in That's the bottom so of my backpack. Funny. And now they're on my microphone. People oh probably my. think that this is very glamorous. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 199 of Perpetual Traffic. We are getting up there. Thank you, as always, for listening. I hope you're having an amazing week. I have a very special guest here with me today. We've actually already been chatting for over 30 minutes (laughs) about health and ways that we stay sane as entrepreneurs. We're going to put that clip at the end of this episode for you guys to listen to a little behind the scenes, but I first want to introduce Natasha Takahashi. Natasha is someone that I've met over the last year in the digital marketing world. She's really coming up in the game. She's not only an incredible entrepreneur and marketer, but she's a really great person and I love what she stands for. She's also built some pretty incredible businesses that she's going to talk to us about here today. Natasha, how's it going, my friend? Thank you so much for having me. I know Uh, I can't believe we've been talking for 30 minutes now. (laughs) Right? That's how you know it's going to be a good episode. I also forgot to mention you are the co-founder of School of Bots. So what is School of Bots? Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. So 
about a year into my co-founder Kyle and I starting our chatbot agency where we serve clients every month um, and you know, similar to a Facebook ads agency model, right? Except with bots. And so- Building bots. Been, <laughs> yeah, building bots, doing strategy. And so we had been running that for about actually a year and a half at this point. And we had done quite a bit in that time just because it was so new. And so that was also my motive in getting into chatbots was that it was pretty early on, obviously very unsaturated. So there was a lot of opportunity for us to test and, and see what was going on because no one else had done it before. And so we did that. But then and the main gap in the market that we started to realize was that there were a lot of people who wanted to learn more about the space. And now that there was enough data, enough case studies, enough information out there, I felt like people should be able to find information and content easily on, you know, some of the stuff that we might go into this episode about, like what's going on in the chatbot world, you know, what do people need to be cognizant of, what works for chatbots, how do you actually convince your clients that they need to start building a chatbot for their business business as well. And so all of that information, tips, tactics, strategies just weren't available at the time. Like if you went to YouTube or Medium or, you know, wherever you get your content, oftentimes it was someone sharing chatbot information that wasn't really doing bots like regularly, but it was more of like an entrepreneur or a marketer who had found out about chatbots. They tested a little bit and then they kind of shared what they had found, which was great. But the problem was they weren't continuing to stay up to date with everything. And so some of their advice would become outdated or some of the things that they were sharing simply didn't work in bots anymore a few months later. And right. so those problems that we kind of saw in the market were... I was probably one of those people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you've done a lot though, for the bot world. <laughs> I don't think of you when I think of her when I say yeah. that. But, <laughs> no, but, but is it, sorry to cut you off. I think it's important that you said that. And it's why I remember that a friend of mine, it was probably a year or two ago, we were having a conversation and he was like, Molly, you should really pick something and dive deep into it. You know, pick a topic and dive deep because that's how you best serve the market. And I think that's what you've done. That's what I think I did for a bit with bots. But a topic like chatbots deserves someone like you to really dive deep because like you said, the information becomes outdated within a week. You know, it's, it's right. Yeah. So it's a full-time job. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So that's where the thought to create school bots came from. And then when we first created the brand, we didn't really have the idea to create a full brand around this and a suite of products and services. It was more of, let's create a program where we can help people accomplish something similar to what we've done, right? We're a few steps right. ahead of many people who want to jump into this space and they've been considering, you know, starting businesses such as an e-commerce store or even a Facebook ads agency. And so they know about chatbots or have heard about them and they want to know how to take advantage of this and if this is the right decision for them. So that was kind of our goal with the first program we launched called the Chatbot Agency Accelerator. And and it went really well our first run around. And so we thought, okay, maybe let's pursue this, see if people are interested because we saw the need for it. But we're like, let's make sure other people actually want something like this before we start to create a bunch of content you know, that no one watches or consumes. And we did that for about the last year. So we've been creating a ton of content. We're still running that program, which is really exciting. We've helped think now close to 300 people start their chatbot agencies and some people are just getting insane results, um, wow. which is kind of crazy to look at because Kyle the other day, he was like, I don't understand how people are succeeding so fast in our program. He's like, it took us like quite a bit of time. Yeah, I was like, well, it makes a lot of sense when you can give people the tools and, you know, even just help them see things before they happen. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. And I think that's what attracted me to, I, someone said, hey, you should meet Natasha. And I looked up what you were doing and you can tell. Was Mike, wasn't yeah, it? Mike yeah. Yeah. Mike Stolzner. And, and you could tell that you were very passionate, not only about what you were teaching, but about providing that transformation for the end user. And I think that's what's so important when you get into the information space, especially when you get into the marketing education space. There are a lot of people out there that are creating products to make money. And all of us, of course, want to make money and we need to make money because this is our business, right? And this is what we do. But people like you, you can tell that it's so much 
much more than that. You actually care about the end result for the customer and that they have the transformation, that they actually succeed. And I just want to commend you for that and everyone out there who is doing it the right way. Because I think that is how we actually help people, how we make this space even bigger and spread digital marketing. And you and I have talked a lot about this. It's really putting yourself out there and putting your heart out there and being willing to actually help people learn this stuff because they need much more than just recorded videos, right? To consume information. <laughs> you know, uh, people need yeah. a support system. They need mentors. Yeah. Anyways, I just feel very passionate about that. And you are definitely one of the people doing that. Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate that because that's really our goal. And and that was being able to buy products from people who maybe don't have a lot of experience or whatever, just because of how easy it is to buy things online these days was one of my downfalls when I was growing up, you know, trying to get into the marketing world where I got scammed by quite a few people um, yes. as well as just went through or bought bad experiences or products, but didn't know what to do about it, you know, at the time, because I was naive and trying to navigate the whole internet world. And so Mm -hmm. my goal is really to be the opposite of that. And honestly, you are one of the few people that I admire who really does that and comes and brings the authenticity in like everything that you do. So thank you. That means a lot to me that you said that to me. (laughs) Well, likewise. And that's why we're on here chatting today. (laughs) But I love your story. And it's really inspirational to me. You were talking about you growing up on the internet. Will you just tell everybody sort of how you came into this? By the way, if you Google your name, on the first page is a story or it's a blog post that you wrote on Medium about dropping out of school. That's the first thing that comes thing. It's like the seventh or eighth thing. Okay. Okay. But, it's on there um, I love that it is. And yeah, just tell us about that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, first off, so that letter, it's actually really funny because I posted that as a way to share my journey because you know, Tam fam, right? Of I think course. you guys are connected. Yeah. So Tam has a very similar story and journey to me in terms of going to school, dropping out, and then like what we got involved with after as well in terms of the startup world and the marketing world and even POTS, funny enough. And so I had talked to him about you know sharing my journey and he was like, it's just tough because the college dropout community is scattered all over. you know, So it's kind of tough to bring people together and create content for that and do something. Because I was really passionate about it at the time. I was like, I want to create more content about that. So my one piece of content to the world was that letter. I mean, I didn't do much else outside of that for a while. While. And after I posted that, every family friend or even like longtime friend I had had, even people I went to school with and like recently got in touch with or whatever, they all had read that letter and was the first thing that they mentioned to me when I like saw them in person. So that's so funny to well, me. <laughs> and, and it's a letter about you leaving college that you wrote to your parents, correct? Yes. Correct. Okay. Yes. And and what was sort of just sum up the letter a little bit for everybody? Yeah. So the letter, I think it's probably four or five pages and I printed it out, but then I obviously had created a digital copy. So I put on medium <laughs> that way. Um, and really what the letter outlines, and I don't even, I think some of the stuff in there is a little ambitious where I probably would read back now and be like, okay, why did I write that? But <laughs> back then. I go you. And how old were you at this point? I think I was 18 when I wrote okay. the letter. Okay. Yeah. I think I had just or about to turn 19, I think. So, and you had, you had gone to college and then stayed how long? So I stayed for a full semester. And then because I had a lease and also had signed up to do this consulting program where I was supposed to go to Brazil with, you know, my class, my freshman class, uh, I stayed at the school until the year was over. So the two semesters, but technically I only went to classes for a full semester. Okay. And then you knew you wanted to leave to do something in marketing and business just to give everybody a... Yes, exactly. So you wrote this letter. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, exactly. So that's where I was when I wrote the letter. And when I wrote it, I was really, I wasn't scared. I was confident in my decision and knew that I would be able to, you know, manage things if my parents decided to disown me or for whatever reason, (laughs) which they totally didn't. They were very supportive. But anyways, the letter goes into why, (laughs) why I think that the college education system is ineffective as well as ineffective in teaching, you know, entrepreneurial and marketing classes and content just because these things are moving so fast. 
And then I also went into what I would be doing too, because that was kind of my reasoning was my parents hadn't covered a ton of my school. I didn't come from a wealthy family by any means, but I had gotten most of my um, tuition covered by scholarships. So I didn't feel too bad, you know, saying, hey, I'm just going to leave after this first year because I knew that I'd covered most of it myself. So I kind of went into the what I was planning to do, you know, what some of my life goals were and, and, you know, what I would do over the next year, pretty much in terms of building my business and whatnot and traveling as well, because I ended up doing that right after I left college. So the letter goes into all of those things. And then I sat my parents down, I printed out, gave it to them at the kitchen. And I was like, just read this. And the reason that I wanted them to read it was Don't because respond until you read it. <laughs> exactly. I was like, you can't say anything to me until you read the whole letter. Because I think in situations like that where you are confronting, you know, someone who's very close to you, such as your parents, it's easy for you to start sharing what you're saying and then for them to cut you off and right. say, well, that's not going to work. Or, you know, what about this? And you're like, oh, just wait, you know, I'm going to share that with you. But with a written piece, it's a lot easier to just say, here's everything I have to say, read this first, and then we can discuss now that you have everything in context. Right. And especially when you know that if they do, like your parents having a response to you saying you want to drop out of school is just because they want what's best for you, right? And if you guys go to YouTube on the Smart Marketer YouTube channel, Ezra and I have a Facebook Live there that we did all about college, right? And sort of this topic. And we actually brought his parents in through Zoom. Oh, that's so talked, cool. You know, they sort of talked about how they felt when Ezra wanted to drop out of high school, right? And what that meant for them. And so I think it's especially tough for our parents' generation where college was so important, right? So you knew you needed to write this letter to logically explain this to them, right? So that there wasn't this like gut reaction. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's so funny. I definitely want to go watch that now. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think that's something that a lot of us in the marketing education space, like we share that idea. Yeah. If someone wants to go to college and have that experience, awesome. I had a great experience with college, right. um, but it's not guaranteed for you to you know, have a successful career after you go to college. And I don't think it's necessary for everyone. And you know, we all have these alternative paths for people that we're offering, hey, learn bots and build an agency or learn Facebook ads through team traffic and, you know, get a job that way, become a freelancer, live the life you want. I've got a book coming out about this this year that you're actually a part of. But I love that that's a part of your story. So you leave college, your parents are cool with that. And do you basically go into building School of Bots? Like how long ago was this? Yeah, so this was actually when I was ready to incorporate my agency. So gosh, this would be, so 2017 was when I gave them the letter. So this was only a few years ago. Um, but I had, start, or Kyle and I had started to put the agency together, start to kind of hone our bot skills and all of that stuff um, in 2016, right when bots were brand spanking new. And then yep. in 2017, right after I gave my parents that letter, I decided to leave college. Kind of all that stuff was confirmed. Then we incorporated the agency and started working on that. So school bots cool. didn't come until later on. That's um, amazing. But yeah, that was the first vehicle, the first business that we put together. And then we actually left the country and digital nomaded for about a year and a half after that. So school of bots was technically born in Thailand. <laughs> so awesome. But you're such an example of the life you can lead and what you can do in such a short amount of time because of the opportunity that digital marketing gives us, you know, and the freedom that it gives us. That's amazing. I have a question for you. And this is only because people ask me this a lot and I have mixed responses. But do people ask about your age a lot? <laughs> Actually, they don't. It's funny. Well... So here's the thing is if I'm alone or if I'm portraying myself as alone, you know, such as like school bots and me representing it alone, wherever I am, whether it's at a conference or online, people don't ask my age or care really. But because my co-founder looks pretty young, right. he has a baby face and he's actually 25. So he's older than me. But when we're together, when we're filming something together or people meet us in person, then I think because he looks younger, then I start to look younger as well. Right. Um, just, you know, natural psychology. And so then at that point, when people do see us together online or in person, which is 
pretty much all the time now, since obviously we both represent the brand and kind of do everything together. So because of that, now I'm starting to have people ask me a little bit more often than I did before, funny enough. And before I turned 21, I wasn't comfortable with this because I knew that that in some ways would either not allow me to get into certain events because that's definitely the case um, with IDing and whatnot. And then now, especially because I've, you know, started my own businesses, then even more now, it's kind of like, okay, if they, for whatever reason, like discredit me for that, then that's kind of a toll or a hit on my business. Whereas before when I was just, you know, kind of floating around serving other businesses and working for other companies, I didn't really care as much if someone knew because I didn't necessarily represent something bigger than myself. Of course. Yeah. I'm just curious because I get that question a lot and it's never meant in a derogatory way. I don't think it's just interesting because, you know, again, it's, we've never lived in a time where people can achieve success so quickly because of technology. So it is natural for people, especially people that are older than us to ask or question that because, you know, usually they're like, wow, I'm so proud of you. That's so inspiring. But it is something that I think about. I'm 28. And, you know, over the last seven years, that's a question that I have gotten a lot. And I've always wondered, or I've always hoped that that information is used in an inspirational way and not in a way to discredit, right? But anyways, I just thought that was interesting. Yeah, I think it's interesting to see also the reactions of different types of people because I'm a lot more comfortable telling someone who is from and grew up in the U.S. how old I am compared to someone who's older and lives abroad from the U.S. And the reason is that abroad for some reason and not stereotyping at all, but it has been a little bit more of a negative response if I share my age. Whereas I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just because in the U.S., you know, we're kind of used to like teen stars becoming millionaires. Um, right. And it's like tech stuff. Of course, us young people would yes. be good at it. <laughs> right, exactly. It just makes a lot of sense. So, so yeah, it is really funny and interesting. But I definitely think that now that things are just moving so fast and you see more and more young people come in, especially as we're starting to attract a younger audience too, which I'm really happy about as well. I see that as being just one other like transparent part of the story. And actually, I'll even share. I wasn't going to, but I was like, you know what? Screw it. I turned 21 exactly a month ago, actually. Oh, congratulations. Yeah. And so now I feel like I've entered adulthood. <laughs> Thank there, you. You're in true adulthood. There are, um, I, I mean, I look forward to every birthday, but there are <laughs> no, no big benefits moving forward. I guess renting a car. <laughs> I know. That's true. I actually rented a car like right after. I went on Turo, that app, and I rented a Tesla and it was so fun. Awesome. You're like, <laughs> I can do this now. Well, happy birthday, Natasha. So speaking of things moving quickly, uh, we have talked a lot about chatbots the past three to six months here on the podcast, really since probably Conversations Conference last September. But there's no one better to talk about bots with. And you are in the trenches every day with clients, with your students, with platforms like Minichat and ChatFuel, getting the latest and greatest on what's coming and what's happening. So I don't know exactly how you want to do this. If you have maybe a few things you want to cover, but what should people know, right? I think a lot of perpetual traffic listeners have, you know, a good baseline understanding of bots, but is there anything new going on? Yeah, no, totally. I know. As you were asking that, I was like, hmm, should I do like some rapid fire? Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. So give us a rundown. Yeah, exactly. So a few things, I guess, in terms of policies. So some people may have known about the subscription messaging application, which pretty much allows you to send messages at any time you want to after the promotional period of the 24 plus one. So I think a lot of people who even start to look at bots, seem to like hear about that or understand that through many chats broadcasting. So if you don't know about that, definitely go and look that up, the 24 plus one policy, um, mm-hmm. which is about when you can send promotional messages. But the subscription messaging application would allow you to send any non-promotional messages outside of that window. And that deadline was supposed to be December 31st of last year. And then they ended up kind of like 
saying, okay, you know what, we're just going to like keep the application on there, but there's no deadline to do it. So I would recommend getting that done as soon as you can, you know, whether you already have a bot. Yeah. And it's really not too difficult. It's just a few questions about, you know, what types of messages you would want to send. And one piece of advice I'll give is that most businesses will fall under the news category, even if you don't think that you are, you know, a news publication. The reason is that most companies are sending out, you know, up updates about your products or content, even, you know, sending your users something about a new YouTube video or perpetual traffic podcast, you know, for example, that's just come out, that would all be considered news. And so that's why most companies will fall under that. So keeping that in mind, the first time around you apply will help you hopefully to increase your chances of being accepted. But I actually haven't seen anything get rejected. Sorry, just wanted to put that in. (laughs) Oh, that's great. So Natasha, what is the benefit of applying for this? Can you not do subscription messaging without it now? So right now you technically can do subscription messaging because you're approved through ManyChat, right? Or So it's kind of a gray area because ManyChat hasn't come out publicly and said like yes our, you know, decision with Facebook is solidified like you don't need to apply for it. They in answering any questions about it have said that people do need to apply because it's on a page by page basis from Facebook. So if anything changes with that, I'm sure ManyChat will make a huge announcement. But right now, as I understand it for us and for our clients and talking with ManyChat is that each page still needs to apply under their Facebook page settings. Awesome. Yeah. I think that Facebook realized that slapping on that deadline could have been detrimental to getting more businesses on the platform. It just seems very scary, you know, and it's not well explained when you go to apply, you know, like for example, news, I would think that I need to be CNN, you know, to apply, but really I can apply for the fitness company that's going to send health tips out every week. So, you know, I think it can be a bit intimidating, but that's a great recommendation to go and do that. That way, you know, you have have those permissions at your page level and you don't have to, you know, rely on mini chat or chat fuel to do that for you. I think that is what a lot of people assume or think they've heard about as well, which is fine because right now it's not like, you know, going to be detrimental to your bot if you don't apply. But yeah, just getting it in as fast as you can is good just so that when they do slap on the deadline that you are already kind of taken care of and you don't have to scramble because they haven't said when that's going to be. <laughs> so cool. Love that's it. one thing that has happened recently. The other thing actually happened last week. So mid-April, Facebook announced that the Messenger app will no longer be able to scan Messenger codes. So that's a huge change. Mm. Yeah. It's pretty big to the bot community just because a lot of people such as us, which I totally don't regret, like invested in printing scan codes, you know, on swag, yeah. or on business cards, or, you know, somewhere in person, in locations right? Because there were a lot of cool ways to creatively use the scan codes in, you know, restaurants, at events, all sorts of different stuff. So so that's one big change that just happened recently. And I would say a solution for that would just be using a QR code because they're so universal and linking that to a ref URL, which is a type of growth tool in ManyChat. So interesting. Do you know why they did that? They didn't really say why in their announcement. So the problem is, I think that they didn't do a good enough job of like onboarding people to the technology. And it's pretty difficult if you're not super tech savvy or even familiar with the Messenger app to scan a code. So they like started with, you know, allowing all the pages to download their code and it was all very clear and simple. And then I'd say probably like a year ago or more, they actually stopped pages from being able to download their codes, their page codes. And so then many chat you know, enabled people to do that as well as some other platforms. And so the codes continue to live on through those methods. But then with this change coming, that makes a lot of sense to me just because Facebook had kind of gotten rid of it on the page side. Probably people aren't using it too much in their app because it's kind of confusing as to how to scan these codes. So I think that all kind of came together as, okay, this is the end of this experiment. You know, let's move towards QR codes for now and see if we can try something similar in the future. Interesting. So they're always making changes. I would say that on that front, I was just processing that because I hadn't heard that. 
I would say that there was just not the adoption rate, I guess, that Facebook was looking for to continue to provide that. And I would say, I think they're cool and I love teaching them. And I love seeing them like, for example, Ralph has one on the booth that he uses for tier 11 at events, you know, that people can scan. But I don't think enough people, like you said, know how to use them. Like, you know, you have to provide a instructions below to, to teach someone <laughs> yeah, how like to a five step process. <laughs> yeah, it's like, and here are four steps for <laughs> to learn how to do this. So I can kind of understand why that happened. So what are you seeing working right now? Like, I know, you know, there's probably some you can share, some you can't share about your client work, but like, what are strategies that are working right now in the marketplace? Like, I know when all of this started in 2016, I was just about, okay, let's figure out how to use this period. You know, like how do we use Messenger to just drive sales conversations? Then I feel like in 2017 and 2018, people started to, you know, try some simple strategies like let me deliver my lead magnet through Messenger or my webinar through Messenger. But now I feel like this has taken a whole new step. And that's where I feel like you can sort of fill in the dots. <laughs> where are things right now? Totally. I think things have advanced quite a bit due to not only like the user adoption in terms of like the marketing world, right? So more businesses using it, which means many chat and chat fuel and all these platforms have more data to do, you know, better things on their platforms. But in general, like the abilities of platforms like ManyChat have enabled people to be like create really complex funnels and and flows inside of their chatbots. And so that's something that's enabled campaigns that are a lot more complex. Although I will say that still, and I think this holds true in marketing, like over time since the beginning of marketing, is that sometimes the simplest stuff just works. Totally. Absolutely. You don't have to build more complex bots for them to work better. (laughs) Right. So some of the stuff, I guess actually I'll start with just because this is at top of mind today are some split tests that actually work really well, kind of keeping things simple and thinking about it is when you're split testing your content inside of your bot, what we have found really interesting is not just split testing like whole messages or even sequences, but actually split testing where things will show up on a user's device. So for example, if you've got a binary question and you're saying, would you like access to this lead magnet or can we message you, you know, when we drop our next YouTube video or something like that, right? And giving people a yes or a no button response while switching around the yes and no, testing where yes is going to show up, whether it's on the left or the right, actually has made a pretty big difference. And we've been able to... Very interesting. Yeah. We've been able to lift that yes click rate like up to, I'd say like 40%. Wow. Positive change from people saying yes or no there. Simply by moving it around or presenting it in a different way or adding a different emoji to it. So testing little things like that, especially because you only have so much real estate inside of, you know, a bot um, to test, like being able to test that stuff is actually some of the most important split testing you can do for conversion. Yeah, very interesting. And that makes sense where we are in bot marketing as this matures a little bit. I feel like now you're saying it's kind of about let's test the user experience because we're all spending hours a day on our phone on multiple apps. And so we're training our thumbs to do stuff, right? Yes. You know, maybe we're more likely to click yes if it's on, you know, one side of the screen versus the other. Yeah, it's super interesting. Like, you know, I mean, we're also used to scrolling, you know, up and down on Facebook and Instagram. Like, we know to swipe left on a conversation to open up options and things Very like that. You know, you're totally right. We've trained ourselves. Even <laughs> I was thinking about this other day, totally off topic real quickly, but I think it's interesting that people in my generation, like when I get onto a new platform or a new piece of, you know, tech or SaaS, I kind of feel like I already know how to navigate the website and the platform because now there are best practices for setting up platforms and it feels very natural for me to be like, okay, you know, billing would obviously be in the settings. And, you know, if I want to see users, then I should go to these lists. Yeah, there are standards now. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Whereas I think even now, even though there are, I think it's also somewhat of a generational thing because I see older people who 
are pretty apt on marketing platforms. Like even some of our clients, you know, their CEOs or CMOs, I'll be on a screen share with them and they kind of take a little bit to do something. Yeah. Yeah. It's just kind of interesting to me that that's, you know, where we're at. Things are moving so fast that even, you know, they don't really notice some of the changes and that I feel just really comfortable navigating a whole new platform. Yeah. And if we don't stop and think about it, you know, think about how far things have come in 10 years, right? And how your technical skills have adapted and what you expect. I downloaded HBO Now the other day and I was comparing it to Netflix. Like I was expecting it to behave in the same way, but the smart TV interface, it was so not intuitive. And I'm grateful that we even have this stuff, but they've got some work to do. It's, it's just an example of exactly what you said. I love it. It's so funny you brought that up because Kyle actually had the exact same experience with the Hulu phone app the other day. We downloaded it because I had sign up for Spotify and you get Hulu. So we're like, let's check it out. And we're like, oh my gosh, this app's... So- no, I think it was actually Hulu. Oh, think, was it? I think That's it was so- actually yeah. Hulu. Okay. It was terribly bad. Like it was noticeably bad. Yeah. Um, and That's hilarious. That's, that's funny. Tell him that I feel his pain. Um, Natasha, I've got a question. So how many clients do you work with at a time? Just curious. Before it was a lot more because we were working with smaller companies. So I would say it was about 30 clients a month that we were managing their bots for. At this point, it's honestly between five and 10 where we're working with them every month. Great. That's a a good solid number. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I think so too. We do a lot of one-off things at this point too, like consulting, especially because some people just want to kind of know what they should need to know. Yep. And then they're like, okay, if we need more help, you know, we'll do more consulting later down the line. And that's good for you because you can just essentially monetize your knowledge, help someone, but then they go do the work, which is where the client relationship can get sort of tedious sometimes is when you're actually doing the work. So when people hire you and, you know, looking at the clients you have right now, and this is just my own curiosity, they're coming to you because they want a bot strategy. They want a messenger marketing strategy. Like what are you, I wouldn't say promising them, but what business outcomes should people expect from bots and messenger marketing right now? And let me preface this a little bit because last year I took on some clients where I just did uh, messenger marketing for them. And what we did, I thought was pretty profound and very interesting. But I think sometimes for the business owner, if the expectations aren't set correctly, it can be frustrating for them. Because I think people still look at bots like, okay, this is like Facebook ads where I'm going to go, you know, just scale my business through this huge acquisition tool. And where, yes, Messenger can be that, it's also different. It's also more complex and it's just so much more. And so do you kind of get what I'm asking you? Like, how do you even explain this to a client and what do you promise them? Because I think this is huge for business owners out there, practitioners out there who are doing bot stuff and people who are providing these services as an agency. I think this is still a huge unknown for the market. Absolutely. And I think this is so important to touch on. And you asked it in the perfect way. So I know exactly what you're talking about. Where, for example, we had a small e-commerce store that wanted to scale, but they just didn't have the right you know, marketing and systems in place. So we took them on as a client early on um, before I was, again, able to gauge the right client for this type of stuff, which is also a factor in this. And so they were- Which is a skill in itself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It really right? is. You're like, I can help anyone with this new technology. And then you're yep. like, crap, I yep. don't know what I'm doing for them. And yeah, so anyway, Anyways, this happened for this e-commerce client where, yeah, their marketing really just wasn't where it needed to be. Their Facebook ads, they were constantly jumping around to different Facebook ads, people who weren't doing a good job with them. And so what happened was in our first conversation, you know, we're talking about what to expect and, you know, the possibilities and outcomes. And they're like, we want to grow to 50,000 subscribers, you know, in three months. And so at the time I was like, that might be possible if you guys have everything in place that we've discussed, you know, their content strategy, their Facebook ads. And now I know so many different questions I would have asked to, you know, know that this wasn't a good client. But at the time I said, yeah, I do think that's possible, you know, for us to grow to 50,000 subscribers. And absolutely not. That totally flopped. And I'm happy that we didn't continue to work with them as a client just because they weren't ready. And 
I think that's what a lot of businesses need to realize is that this technology is amazing. And like you said, it can bring some really profound results, but understanding if your business is ready for it or not and understanding how it's going to play a role is also part of that, you know, expectation that we want to set. So usually what I would recommend just as like a solution for that to see, you know, if a business is ready is looking at the highest performing marketing funnel that Mm -hmm. someone has in their business, right? Whether it's their highest performing lead magnet or, you know, a funnel with just an ad to a landing page to the lead magnet with some emails to, you know, a small purchase or something, right? Oftentimes it's something like that where what I would suggest is running a test where you move that funnel entirely into the bot and test it pretty much head to head. So as similarly as possible to your email and then see which one performs better, right? Because then that's really the true test of whether your business is ready for this or not. I mean, oftentimes I'd say like nine out of 10, those tests will work great. But if your marketing funnel is not as great as you think it is, or not converting as high as a business owner says it does, you know, then that kind of proves the case for them. I love that. And a good example of this, I have a client that does docu-series. I talk a lot about them here on the podcast. And we're in the middle of a launch right now. So we generate opt-ins for the viewing of this like 24-hour documentary. And we do that for a month and then we release the episodes and then we're able to sell different physical products and things on the back end of the funnel. But anyways, it's the real skinnyonfat.com. So we just started running traffic to that last week and we put the checkbox underneath the opt-in. Like I told you, of course, people have to manually check that box. It's not auto-checked anymore. But for those of you guys that are interested, as of today, we've generated 15,000 email opt Opt-ins of people that are opting in with their email address up at the top. And 4,300 of those people have also checked the messenger box. So almost a third of the people opting in with their email are also checking the messenger box. So just a little bit of data for those of you that might be thinking, oh, well, no one's going to click that. For anybody who's interested in seeing this in action, the reason I bring it up is they were like, Molly, we want to do messenger stuff, right? And I said, okay, great, that's fine. But we don't need to do anything super complicated here. Like the first thing that we're going to do is just use the mini chat checkbox growth tool and put it under your opt-in box, right? So that when people are opting in with their email address, they also have the opportunity to opt into messengers. So this way we build our subscriber list. And also a key part of this funnel is that they actually watch the episodes when they go live, right? So we don't want to rely just on email because only a small percentage are ever even going to know the episodes live. So we run Facebook ads, but we're also going to start broadcasting to this list. And so I just wanted to bring that up because this is an example of something just very small you can do to get started as a part of a funnel that's already working, just like you said. I think that people look at Messenger and they're like, oh, I need to go build a Messenger funnel or a completely new marketing campaign just for Messenger. And it's like, no, there are too many variables there because what if that marketing campaign as a whole just fails, right? And then it gets blamed on the platform. (laughs) So why not just figure out at least when you start how to integrate a little piece of Messenger into what you're already doing? I love that. Yeah. I think you bring up a great point as well that if you do implement something totally new and you're using Messenger as the main opt-in, the main conversion channel and all of that, then if it doesn't work, it's probably not the platform's fault, but it will be blamed on the platform. And then the same way that some companies say Facebook ads, you know, don't work because they had one bad experience, the same thing will be said of Messenger for that company and they won't realize the opportunity there. So I think you make a great point there that At the end of the day, yeah, it's all about simplicity and testing one thing at a time. And you don't want to change. Like, I think the biggest lesson I've learned over the last few years working with businesses and implementing this new technology, because before this, I didn't own an agency in another marketing service. So I think I would have a different angle on this if I had. But because I've seen this entirely from, you know, implementing something new into their funnels from that angle, I think it's really important to understand to do one thing at a time and also not change 
everything at once and approach everything like a big company would. Right before with School of Bots, for example, when I started it and had created the website and all these things, like I would change the entire website, you know, in like one day. <laughs> right. And right. obviously yeah. we were getting it. Overhaul it all. And it was spur of the moment too. You know, I would do things just like, you know, oh, okay, that needs to change. So without any testing, without anything. And so what I've realized, especially from working with companies like Social Media Examiner, especially because they're testing is like the most tedious testing I think I have ever seen a company do that I've been able to to kind of see the inner workings right. of. Right. And to have the volume too, like that's what was fun about working at Digital Marketer. Just your test meant so much more because of the volume of traffic, right? Like with clients, sometimes you have to wait <laughs> a little bit to get the amount of traffic. No, that's a great point as well. Yeah. Is that because you don't see a ton of traffic coming in because Schoolbots was like a baby company back then, like I didn't really care too much. And I think there's, you know, obviously you have the advantage to do that. But at the same time, if you can start to think of how big companies approach things and the fact that there's so much on the line when you change something, that's how I think people should be thinking about everything having to do with their business and then bringing Messenger into that system where one by one, you bring in new aspects of the bot, you know, as entry points, things inside of the conversation. But really proving it first, I think, is is the first step. Love it. Thank you so much, Natasha. Any last thoughts, words of wisdom? Yeah, I would say if you are considering getting into chatbots, absolutely go for it. Um, we have a yes. free crash course where we share like, not just how to like build bots, but how to actually organize and approach them, how we brainstorm what a bot should do, which I think is Great. one of the biggest things people struggle with is like, yes. there's so many things What's a bot can do. What's the purpose? Right. So I would recommend- Where can people find that? that? Yeah, they can go to messengercrashcourse.com. Oh, um, I love it. It's own URL. <laughs> yes. So, so definitely check that out. If you are totally new to bots and just want to gain a better understanding. And if you've already been, you know, kind of considering going into bots, maybe you've even played around in many chat, but just aren't doing anything. Like we've kind of been saying at this point, multiple times on this episode, just choose one part of your funnel to test with Messenger, whether it's the onboarding to a product or the onboarding to a free offer or getting people into that free offer. Whatever that test looks like, it doesn't really matter. You don't need to spend a ton of time deciding on it, but just make it happen so that then from there, you'll be a lot more confident in adding adding on more and more involvement of the chatbot to your funnels. So that's my I piece love it. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Natasha. Guys, definitely check out her stuff, her free course, the School of Bots. I was lucky to do a training inside of their members area a few months ago. So Natasha, thank you for being an amazing human and marketer. And I can't wait to have you back on. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Molly. And thanks everyone for listening. If you guys ever have any bot questions as well, feel free to reach out to me too. I try to do my best to get to inbox zero, even though we talked about <laughs> all the health stuff. I think Good that's you, important girl. too. But <laughs> I do try to respond to every message and email as well as much as I can. So do feel free to reach out if you guys ever have any questions. Awesome. Love it. All right, Perpetual Traffic listeners, this has been episode 199 of Perpetual Traffic and we will see you guys next week. You've been listening to Perpetual Traffic. For more information and to get the resources mentioned in this episode, visit digitalmarketer.com forward slash podcast. Thank you for listening. Right. So it's like the behind the scenes stuff really, I don't know, it, I think it builds a stronger relationship. I think there's also like a line though. I'm seeing people trying to do it intentionally right? Because, you know, people will hear That's on this podcast <laughs> that we're saying like be authentic. And, you know, I've noticed like I've really been teaching this year with Facebook ads and we talked to your group about this um, school of bots, like authenticity is more important than ever before. I think that there's a line there though, where now I'm seeing like forced authenticity, which is just, um, a, it's a contradiction. Yes. <laughs> and yes. I find myself doing it sometimes. I'll think, Molly, like I need to make a post on Instagram or Facebook, right? And I yeah. try to, you know, be 
authentic, but then I'm putting my like copywriter hat on. And so it can be tough. So now I've made myself wait, like this truly has to come organically. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, no, that's a good check to kind of put on yourself because totally I kind of come from the same angle where I'm like, okay, you know, how can I use this to seem like as organic as possible? I'm like, wait, hold on, you know, like as much as I want to like take advantage of, you know, the fact that we are all human and all kind of have these blooper, you know, um, moments, like at the same time, yeah, if it's forced, then at some point that's going to come out or be really awkward, you know, if someone sees like the raw footage or something, right? So, So I think that that's such a good point to make. Yeah. It's like, you know, we're building ourselves online, you know, and you, you want people to see the real you, but I don't know. I've been going through the last few weeks I've been in Australia and I think this is a cool part of the episode, by the way. Um, and, uh, it's, it was interesting being, I felt very disconnected because of the time difference. Mm -hmm. It was like 17 hour time difference from Colorado. And so I really got to reflect like, who is Molly and who is Molly online? Yeah, <laughs> and that's, that. that's, that's very deep, but I think it's something we all, um, you know, it's worth taking a time to taking time to think about because yeah. it, it can become a job. And I never want like, I never want my online presence to be a job. I just want it to be who I am. And if I don't want to post something for three weeks because I'm being like, you know, I, I'm taking time to myself, like I can do that. Uh, and that's, that gives me anxiety though, because I get online <laughs> and I'm like, everyone's posting. I need to keep up. I don't know. Do you yeah. struggle with that? Absolutely. And actually, I can't remember who it was now, but the other day I was, and I like don't really consume that much anymore these days, but I was, I think I was watching a video or something and another woman entrepreneur was like, there's always that struggle where you're doing so good, you're doing so good, you're on a streak, you know, of posting consistently or doing whatever it is, you know, that, that you're up to. And then you take maybe like a few moments to start to like go down the rabbit hole of like reading other people's posts or watching videos. And then sometimes you can't stop yourself where you are just looking at everyone's stuff and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so behind or I'm not doing enough or blah, blah, blah. Right. And so I used to do that all the time to myself. And now I've kind of stopped where I just don't consume because I know that that's like the hole that'll go down. And so instead I just try to remind myself that you can only run your own race and that like everything you're doing is relative to you and not necessarily to other people, even if they're in a similar position. And that's really helped me, but totally I have struggled with that in the past. Yeah. I think that's important for people to hear, especially in this industry. Most of us get our information from Facebook and Instagram. We're in Facebook groups. We're, you know, following pages. And so there can be this feeling of anxiety that if I take time away from social media, I'm going to be behind. Uh Are you still focused on Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and the holiday shopping season when probably what you should be doing is keeping an eye out towards the plan that you have for 2024? Now, we here at Perpetual Traffic want to help you make 2024 the best business year you've ever had online and help you do that through everything that we talk about here on this podcast. Well, for 10 lucky businesses, we are going to offer through the end of the year, January 1st is our cutoff date, we are offering 10 free audits for 10 lucky businesses. We will go through everything from all of your ad spend on all your social platforms. We'll do everything on your website, analyze all your CRO, as well as look at your data, how you're tracking, as well as look at your email sequences, everything associated with your digital marketing, wrap it up into an audit, give you a score and tell you exactly where you most need to improve. And we are offering this to 10 businesses for free through the end of the year. In order to get your free audit, head on over to tier11.com, fill out the application and make mention in the actual notes section that you heard about this promo for the free audit on perpetual traffic and we'll bump you to the front of the line. Now this is for 10 businesses only. We have a limit of 10. We literally do not have more capacity to be able to do more than that because I actually do have to give my people between Christmas and New Year's off. So they've got to work really quickly. So the quicker you can get this and submit it, the better. We're going to take the first 10 that apply. So make sure you head over to tier11.com forward slash 
audit. For your free audit, we will look at every aspect of your digital marketing, give you a rating, and then give our recommendations as to what you can improve so you have the best year ever in 2024. 